think I need that music every morning when I get up and have my quiet time to remind me I need to pray some dangerous prayers. If you're wondering what that's all about, well, last year in 2020, Craig Rochelle came out with a book entitled Dangerous Prayers, and it's a book that challenges us to ask God not just to do stuff for us, but to do things in us. And a dangerous prayer that we're looking at today is, Lord, break me. Uh, last week, if you, did, if you weren't with us last week, you can join us online, you can go back and review it. But last week we talked about the first prayer that all of us can pray is, Lord, search me. But after he searches us, then Lord, break me. Break me of habits that I don't need to have, of, of bad attitudes I don't need to have, careless thoughts I don't need to have, uh, things that waste my money. I can keep going, okay? There's all kinds of things that we need God to break us of, but are we willing to pray that? Because it's danger- And it's dangerous to pray it, because if we pray it, God will do it. And are we really willing to have that? Because if we are, then we're embracing what God has for us. Do you know that God wants us not just to be ready for, I mean, to look forward to heaven someday, but to understand that he's working in us now to grow us up and mature us this day? Do you know that this week, this Monday, this Tuesday, this Thursday, God has things in store for us that are going to make us stronger and more mature and complete as believers and as his followers? And if that's good news this morning, would you say amen? Amen. Yeah, well, to get us to some of the levels he wants us to get, we're going to have to go through some hard things because it's the only way we're going to be willing to surrender. If you understand that, then you understand where we're going today. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you love us enough to work on us. Lord, you know how sinful we are. That's why we came to you. And it's by your grace that we're saved. But Lord, I thank you that you are working on me right now. You've been working on me all week. And you have plans to work on me this coming week. And God, I pray that today this message will help us cooperate with you. That we'll understand what you're doing. And we'll embrace it. And if you give us the strength, Lord, and you give us the ability to endure, well, then we're going to grow. And so, Lord, this morning we just pray a dangerous prayer. Lord, teach us what it means to be broken so that every single part of our lives can be surrendered to you. Nothing held back. Lord, move me out of the way. Teach us what you want us to know about this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, point one on your outline, and I appreciate all the folks joining us online, too. There's an outline on our app and our website. Um, to become fully devoted followers of Christ, we need to be broken. Like a, just like a horse, I mean, a beautiful stallion or a Mustang that runs wild. Well, it can jump around and run like crazy, but it, you can't ride it. It's of no use to anyone until it's broken. You don't want to break the horse's spirit. You want to break its desire to be independent of everybody. I mean, that's really what we're talking about for us to be broken. I mean, it's interesting in uh, the Connect Group questions, I have a quote from Charles Stanley on this. Charles Stanley says, Brokenness is God's method of dealing with self-life, which is a desire within us to act independently of God. And God wants us to, he wants to break us of that because that's what sin is. Sin is going our own way. We were designed by God himself to have an open, honest relationship with him where he would share his thoughts and his will and his emotions about things, and he wants us to embrace that because he knows better than we do how to live life. But sin and flesh, our self-will, our fleshly desires, that's wanting to go independent of that and say, no, I know a better way. And the devil loves to tempt us to do that because he knows that every single time we do, it ends up in disaster. 
And if I asked for an amen on that, we'd all say amen. <laughs> okay. Every time we go against God's will, it ends up in disaster. That's why you have these verses like this, Hebrews 10, 12, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you'll harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. I mean, when we're talking about being broken, it's plowing up the hard places in our hearts. And when we come to Christ, that's when it begins, that's when he begins to work on us. The Holy Spirit comes inside of us and he plows up those hard places. The places where we're not willing to forgive and we're not willing to change and we're stubborn and wrong. And some of you are going, man, my wife needs to, man, my husband needs to hear this. Okay, we all need to hear this. And if you agree with that, would you say amen? Okay, just want to make sure you're not hearing this for somebody else today. <laughs> okay. Oh, my brother-in-law has some hard soil. Okay, this is all of us. Fly up the hard ground in your hearts, for now's the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. This is, oh, this is why we'll be talking about this. This is God's motivation behind all this. With that in mind, understand what Jesus told his disciples. Look, if, you want to be, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And this is what it means to take up our cross a cross is an instrument of death. It's like, I'm going to die to my own self-will. I told my wife, she said, what do you want out of our marriage? I said, I only want one thing, my own way. Yeah, that didn't go over very well. Okay, uh, just one thing. But that's what we do with God. We go, God, I, I want a relationship with you. I want to go to heaven when I die, but I pretty much want to run my life while I'm down here. Unless, of course, I make a bad decision, then I want you to bail me out. In the name of Jesus, amen. And that's not the deal. He goes, no, no, no. If you're going to follow me, you got to let me lead because you're following me. I'll show you the best way to go. It's going to be amazing, but you got to trust me. So there are three interesting ways that God convinces us to let our fingers off the wheel, if you will. And three interesting processes, the way the Bible describes it, that God uses to break us. First of all, God breaks us by pruning us. I mean, I'm going to go through these scriptures pretty quick here and then just kind of look at them all together. But in John 15, Jesus said, look, I'm the true grapevine. My father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they'll produce even more. When you produce much fruit, then you're my true disciples, and this brings great glory to the father, to my father. Jesus said, look, I'm, I'm a vine. I'm the vine. You're the branch. You got to stay attached to me. And God wants to produce a lot of fruit in your life. And we'll talk about that more in a second of love and joy and peace and many other things. He wants that evident in my life. And for that to happen, I have to stay connected to him. And there are things that distract me. And pruning is when God takes the shears and lops off things that waste, things that waste my time and waste my money and waste my energy. I mean, it could be a relationship that I have with somebody I say, every time I talk with them, I just waste time or it drags me down and I keep going back. And it's like, why am I doing this? This is just tearing me apart. Or these, this is a hobby. It's not a bad thing in itself. But I don't have any money to help the poor. I don't have any money to give to the church. I'm putting all of it into this. And after a while, God will convince us through circumstances and other things where that's taken away. And all of a sudden now, our priorities are shifted. 
But pruning hurts. Secondly, God also breaks us by disciplining us. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen to how this is described. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. Hmm. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as a child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember God's treating you as his own children. Since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? I mean, the writer of Hebrews was quoting Proverbs, was quoting Solomon. God disciplines us the same way we discipline our kids. And boy, we don't want to allow that to happen at times. Because no discipline, I mean, I didn't have time to put the whole, I didn't have space to put the whole passage in there. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening, but that's how we get trained. I remember when our kids were small, we sent them to a school where the teachers would tell us at the beginning of the year and at every parent-teacher's conference, hey, when your kids mess up, don't just automatically bail them out. Like if they forget their gym clothes or they forget an assignment or other things, don't just run up to the school and try to fix it all for them. Let them face some consequences. Like they'll have to do some extra homework or they have to run some extra laps or they'll have to um, maybe stay after school one day. It's good if they learn that while they're young, they learn consequences. Let us train your children in how to get things done. And over and over again, the temptation is for a parent, oh, let me go take care of this. Let me take care of that for my kids. And they said, that's how your kids are going to learn. We want them to become good students. They're going to be trained by the discipline in right studying, in right behaviors that will serve them well all the way through college. Man, well, if that's true for students in school, how much, if we know that as parents, and by the way, that was kind of hard sometimes as a parent, not to just come in and take a shortcut and to let my kids learn hard lessons. Well, if in the margin there on that, if you could put consequences, a lot of the discipline is consequences. There are hard things in our lives because we live in a fallen world. That's true. But there are other hard things in our lives because we make bad choices and we do foolish things. And God allows us to endure some consequences on that. Now, he's merciful and kind, but he allows us to go through some of those things because that's going to train us to let go. I mean, remember, when he disciplines us, it'll help us love him more, and it'll break the power that that sin has over us. It won't control us anymore. And isn't that what I want? Boy, no amens on that one. Wow. Okay, let me set you up again. Isn't that what we want? Yeah, amen, yes, <laughs> okay, I think so, I kind of like what I'm hanging on to. Anyway, thirdly, God breaks us by refining us, and these are all pictures in the Bible of pruning, disciplining, refining, there's wonderful joy ahead, 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7, even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine, it's being tested, it's fire tests and purifies gold through your faith, though your faith is worth it's far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it'll bring you much praise and glory on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. I mean, Peter said, hey, look, you're going to go through some things, and this is like refining. And refining suggests the heat being turned really high. And you're left there to cook for a while. That's why he says, hey, when your faith remains strong through many trials, there's some deep-seated things that need to be bubbled up, and that's only going to come when you turn up the heat and the pressure to a pretty high level. And that's why God allows us to go through some things for a while sometimes, because it's only after a month or a year or maybe longer, multiple years, 
that all of a sudden we're willing to let go of that bad attitude. We are really willing to trust God with something that we never trusted him with before. We're willing to let go of our fear or a grudge or a sinful habit that we've just told ourselves isn't that bad. And it's only through going through those hard times and this being turned up for a while that we go, uncle, God, I, I give up. I'm sorry. Will you please, I surrender every part of my life. And then all of a sudden, that's when, it, just like it said in Hosea, that's when righteousness will come and shower, be showered upon us. Because now we're finally willing to cooperate. This is stuff we need to hear. This gets skipped a lot in our Christian life. We don't like to hear that we're in process our whole life here in this world, but we are. I mean, you're in process right now. God's working on you. And the writer of Hebrews says, take that as a compliment. I mean, he disciplines you because he loves you. He prunes you so you can yield more fruit. He refines you so you'll be because you're more precious than gold. Please hear that he's doing this because he loves us. He's not trying to get even with us. He's not trying to just, he doesn't allow things in our lives for no purpose. Everything that comes into our lives will serve his purpose. And that brings us to the next point here. And his motives for doing all this are good. They're good. That's why he's doing this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Could we read this together, please? And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We know that. So even when I'm going through a setback, even when I'm facing hard consequences, I can take great confidence in the fact that my Heavenly Father is good, and if this is being allowed in my life, then God's going to use it for good in some way that I don't even know. And He may be using it for good not only in my life, but in the life of my whole family, or my whole, all the people in my neighborhood, or all the people I work with. I don't know. He's that smart. He can do that. A couple of thoughts on this. One of the ways, one of the reasons God's doing this or how he uses it for good is God breaks us in order to make us act and talk and look like Jesus. That's why he has to break us. Because when we come to Christ, there's so many things in our lives that don't look like Jesus. We don't talk like Jesus. We talk gossip. We say filthy things. We say words in anger that should never be said. We're sarcastic, rude, mean. Oh, there's so many ways that we, we're filled with doubt. We praise God one time and then attack the people made in his image. Oh, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He, God wants us to look just like Jesus. We're, Jesus, Paul is writing in Romans 8. He said, you need to understand this. Jesus is our big brother. We're all children. When we're adopted into God's family, then Jesus is our big brother, and he wants us to act like him. He's trying to change us so that we talk and act and look like Jesus. I mean, that's what was so amazing about the disciples. When uh, they were persecuted for talking about Jesus, people took note of the fact that these were ordinary people who'd just been around Jesus. They were bold and confident, and they talked about God in a way just like Jesus did. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. 
Secondly, God breaks us in order to make our lives fruitful. In Galatians 5, Paul talks about this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. These are the things that we all want. And this is brought about by the fact that the Holy Spirit is working in us. And I mean, take great confidence in this. When God is taking us through hard times, what he wants us to do is just surrender things to him because his Holy Spirit will give us the desire and the power to change. It isn't even like, hey, you're going through these hard times. I hope you figure it out. That's not it at all. It's when we're going through hard times and we say, God, search me. God, break me. Help me cooperate with you. Well, when I'm praying that kind of prayer, the Holy Spirit will show me what I need to change, and he'll give me the power to do it. And if that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? I mean, it's not only that God has prepared a place for us in heaven, and it's not only that God is working on me while I'm still here. He's even given me the power, the desire and the power to do it. And then my life yields fruit. And what? Look, listen to this fruit again. Love and joy and peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, completely independent of my circumstances. The Bible says we'll be like trees planted by a stream of water. It could be, it might not have rained for three months, but the fruit on that tree is just luscious because the roots go down deep to a source and supply that doesn't depend on the circumstances. Doesn't depend on it. This is the way God wants you and me to be. And so that's why he's showing us, hey, don't spend time over here. Don't, you got to let go of this behavior. This is ruining every relationship you have. Let it go. And when you go my way, you'll experience love and joy and peace. And that's going to be evident. I mean, when you see a tree, if you go up to Clanton, when the peaches are ripe, and you walk in those places, those orchards there, and you can go pick your own peaches, man, that is just fun. If you've never done that, that's fun. You pick these peaches, and they are juicy, and you get whole bushels of these things. Oh, it's great on ice cream. And Oh, wait. Well, I don't want to go there. But, but the point is, it's amazing when you see these trees that are filled with fruit are so attractive. I mean, they are. And that brings us to the next point here. I mean, and I want to remind us, John 15, 8, I've read this before. Let me read it again. When you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. It brings great glory to my Father. Well, that's because God wants, he breaks us in order to make us useful. He wants our lives to be attractive. He wants us to tell people about Jesus. He wants us to model new life. And when his spirit is transforming us and we're surrendering our lives and we're letting go of all the junk that we don't need, we produce patience and kindness and goodness. That's just hanging out of our lives. People can see it. In our conversation, they can see it in the way we handle problems. They can see it in the way we raise our kids. They can see it in the way we handle our money. They can see our attitude, and they go, oh, my goodness, I want to be like this. For we're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God knows where you live. He put you in that house, in that neighborhood. God knows where you work. He helped you get that job. He knows where you go to school. He knows where you're going to be tomorrow. And when he does his work in us and we have all this fruit hanging out from us, well, he can put us anywhere. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, 
If you and I can embrace this, I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful? I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if God could turn each one of us into people who look and act and talk like Jesus? And our lives were filled with love and joy and peace no matter what was going on. Because when we think about the truly godly people we know, that's the way they live. You like being around them. Even if they get treated poorly, they know how to forgive. Even if things are terrifying, they don't deny that this is scary. They're just not going to let fear control them. Even if things are going completely opposite of the way they think it should go, they're still willing to praise God because they just trust him. And now they're useful. To who? Well, to God. He can put them anywhere. If somebody needs encouragement, put them next to that person because they'll know the right words to say. If somebody needs help, well, put them next to that person because they're willing to serve. If somebody needs courage, well, they'll know how to do that because they'll be able to tell them the times in their life when they were afraid and how God helped them through. They're just ready. And that's why it's so important to understand this. This is what God is doing in our lives. He's working on us, y'all. In 2021 here, I'm doing 21 days of prayer. If you haven't discovered this yet, you can go to my Facebook page or CenterPoint's Facebook page or just to our website. Every day I'm putting on a little five-minute devotional thing where we're talking about just these topics, and I'm leading us in prayer every day. But what if we prayed that way? What if we prayed dangerous prayers in 2021 and said, God, I don't want to stay where I was in 2020. I want you to grow me up. I want to be bold and confident. I want my life to be filled with love and peace and gentleness. I want self-control. I want it hanging out of my life like fruit on a tree. Now, whatever you got to do, do it. And that's a dangerous prayer. And that's the, these are, this is the last, point I'm, last couple of points I'm going to make here. I need to pray. Praying like that means I need to pray that God will help me cooperate with his plan for my life. Not fight him. Hmm. Lord says, I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life. I'll advise you and watch over you. Don't be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. I mean, will you just cooperate? In the margin, you can put on there, not blaming others. Not being angry at God. That's what it means to cooperate. God, I'm not just trying to, going to go around blaming everybody for every bad thing that's going on in my life. God, are you, would you search me? Or will you show me my part in this? Oh, it's so easy to blame everybody else for everything going on in my life. Secondly, I need to pray. What it means, if I'm going to pray a dangerous prayer like break me, it means that I'm praying that God will help me be patient and endure trials and hardships, that I'll patiently endure this without complaining. The margin, no complaining. Well, God, I'll patiently endure, but you do know that it's been 17 days since this happened, and God, you know, and I don't think it's fair, and how come other people don't have to go there, and God, I'm, uh, uh, uh. and if it sounds like a, that's a terrible noise, that's a terrible noise. Patient endurance is what you need now, Hebrews 10, 36, so you'll continue to do God's will. Then you'll receive all that he has promised. 
Lamentations 3, the Lord's good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it's good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And it's good for people to submit in an early age to the yoke of his discipline. How many of y'all wish you would, know, you would have known 20 years ago what you know now about how good God is? How many of y'all wish that? I do. Man, it's good. I tell my kids, hey, it'd be good if you could patiently endure this. God's working on you. I mean, I know it's hard for you to understand this now. Hmm. If I'm going to pray the dangerous prayer break me, it means that I'm willing to pray that God will help me praise him even during difficult times because I trust that he's good even when my situations are bad. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James 1 Psalm 32, many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. I mean, am I willing to shout for joy and praise him even when things aren't going the way I think they ought to go at all? John, how could you praise him? Life is terrible. Yeah, I know, but God is good. John, how can you praise him? This is terrifying. I know, but he's stronger than all my fears. John, this doesn't make any sense. I know, but he can understand things that I can't understand. So I praise him because he's all-knowing. I praise him because he's all-powerful. I praise him because he's good. And I had to work on this lesson this week. And I have had incredible back pain, and I have had COVID, and I have had all kinds of stuff where I felt like heck for weeks. And this is the lesson I'm working on this week. And I think God has a great sense of humor, too. I think you could write that in as one of his characteristics. I came into my office the other morning. I was just fit to be tied, and Shane Seegers was there. And I said, would you pray for me? And he said, why? And I said, because I feel terrible, and I'm supposed to tell people to praise the Lord, and I'm just mad and fussy right now. That's all there is to it. And he prayed for me. And sometimes when I praise the Lord, I think that's what it means to bring a sacrifice of praise to him, is to choose to praise him because I know it's the right thing to do, and I hope that's what you're hearing today. We're going to pray right now. And we're going to pray that God's going to help us cooperate and not grumble and complain, but to trust him and even praise him. Will you pray with me? Lord, today I am going to pray a prayer of praise because you're good even when my circumstances are bad. And Lord, you're working even when I don't even understand what's going on. It just seems like the pain is purposeless to me. Lord, you are pruning off things in my life that are just time wasters, money wasters, energy wasters. And Lord, I'm sorry for so many times that I've grumbled and complained about that when you've helped me let go of things that were ruining my life and I was mad at you. Looking back now, that was the best thing that ever happened. God, would you please forgive me? God, today I want to surrender to your will. I want to ask that you would give me the ability to cooperate with you. Lord, I thank you. Your scripture acknowledges no discipline is joyful while it's happening. Nobody enjoys discipline. But God, we don't have to worry that it's not good. Everything you do for us is good. And if we're going through a hard time right now, you're using it to refine me, change me, 
show me ways that I can surrender to you. And Lord, I even thank you for the time when you've turned up the heat for a long time because that's really refining the deep stuff. So God, I thank you that as your Holy Spirit flows through me to produce fruit, your Holy Spirit is changing me at the same time, cleaning out the deep, dark places in my life that should have been changed a long time ago, but they're being changed now. Oh God, I'm grateful for that. And so I give you praise. If you give me the courage and you give me the desire and the power to do what pleases you, Lord, then I can do it. I can't do this without you. And Lord, you know my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. I wouldn't do it without you. So Lord, I'm praying a dangerous prayer here today. Break me of the things that need to be rid in my life. Help me trust you more so I will depend on you in every part of my life. In the wonderful name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen.